Magic 7-0, Jim, we get to play from the ladies' tee. Come on. <laughs> I knew there was some benefit to getting older. Uh, I need to find out some others that uh, helps me out here, but uh, we have a fun time. It is nice to walk. Hey, by the way, I think they no longer call that the ladies' tea. Have y'all heard that? It's the red tea. I guess they're going away from any gender references to uh, golf. I don't know what's going on in our world. Man's tea, it depends. Uh, the, the really good people, I guess, is it the gold tea that they, it, you know, I say good people. You can tee off anywhere you want to. It just takes more shots to get down to the green. So there it is. You get to swing, let me just say, we get to swing the golf club a lot more. We get our money's worth. About a hundred swings. So, you know, how about that? <laughs> but uh, we do have a good time. It's a great time of fellowship. Um, I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke here, and we're going to be reading out of the ESV, if, that, if you can get that on your phone, or if you came with a different translation in your scriptures, uh, it's going to read pretty close the same. Um, and we're going to read also from James, in Luke it's going to be Luke chapter 12, I'll give you that. And then we're going to be reading from James chapter 4. Interesting thing about James is he's probably one of the most practical writers uh, in all of the scriptures. And um, he just like, do this, don't do this. And he just line by line, sentence by sentence, he gives directions. And it's hard to um, miss the point. He makes it just clear this is the way it is. And we're going to read a couple of things there in James chapter 4 that really resonates with what I'm going to be sharing. I, I tried my best to come up with a good title for this message, but the only word that I could come up with is tomorrow. And I thought about pulling up uh, the 1982 clip from Annie, little orphan Annie, singing tomorrow, tomorrow is just one day away. But then it wouldn't fit what I'm going to say about tomorrow. <laughs> I'm really talking about God giving us the right now as opposed to living in the next day or the next week or the next year but making the most so this is going to kind of sound better coming from James before we get into something that Jesus said in Luke 12 so if you're there at James it's going to be James chapter 4 verse 13 and 14 come now you who say Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there, trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Let's pray. Lord, we open our hearts to your word in our minds to know what you're saying to us and we want to know what you're saying to us. Your word teaches us. In these few minutes, I pray for the prompting of the Holy Spirit to help us to know what you're saying to us and that we respond, Lord. This is the day you have made. This is the only day that we can uh, be with one another. It's our time that we have and we need to cherish the present, Lord. The, uh, the capacity to look to the person next to us and, and speak to them and embrace them and, 
and be friends and encourage each other. Lord, I pray that today we will leave, all of us leave here encouraged in some way. We've come here to worship you. We've also come here that we need you. We need you to feed us. We need you to pour out your spirit upon us. We need help. We need to know you and know you in a better way. And I, I just ask, Lord, that through the course of the rest of the service that that will happen for all of us. In your name, Lord. Amen. Well, how do you like James just calling you a vapor? A mist. Isn't that encouraging? That we're just very temporary. And I think when we look past in time and, and people that we love, um, some had birthdays this week. Birthdays are great to have, right? I love birthdays. And uh, they accumulate so fast, don't they? I had a, my grandmother, I had a grandmother that made it to the century mark, 100 years of age. We were there in Evansville as a, as a family to celebrate. She was in a nursing home, and I don't think she had any idea what was going on. She had, uh, had dementia. I would drive up just by myself one day to Evansville and sit and talk with her over those years that she was there. And it got to the point I'd walk in and I said, hey, Grandma. And she says, who are you? And I said, well, I'm Charles. Charles? Charles who? And I said, I'm, I'm Winford's son. Oh, okay. And, and uh, I never heard my grandmother swear, but she, she couldn't get the food on her fork. She just, I like, wow. <laughs> she let it rip. I don't know. Maybe it was way down deep in her, but she was frustrated. And I was like, well, Grandma. So I didn't try to correct her, and one day I walked in, and I said, um, she said, who are you? I said, Charles, Charles. I said, Winford, son. Who's Winford? And I said, well, he's a very important person in your life. That's all I could say to her. But we were there to celebrate. On, in September of 2000, she was born in 1900. September of 2000, my 82-year-old dad drove he and my mom to Evansville for her memorial service. And it was the exact week, some of you might remember September 2000, that we had a team heading to Russia, and it was the exact week that we were about to leave for Russia. And I remember telling my dad, I said, you know, I, I'll uh, let people go on. And he said, no, 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 don't you do that. You would honor my mom more by going to Russia and doing what God's called you to do than being there. And he would not allow me to stay and be with him. I think it's because he wanted me to live in the moment and that my grandmother wouldn't know I was there or not. I hope that she knew that I wasn't there. Because if you're in heaven, I don't think we want to know what's going on down here, right? Amen. So my dad insisted that I would honor her by doing that. And there we, we all have our birthdays and we start getting, when you turn 18 or when you turn 16, how many like the time that you turn 16? You could get what? Your driver's license. And that didn't matter to me because I couldn't, I didn't have a car to drive. So didn't have a car until I was a freshman in college. But when you turn 21, that's a pretty big thing, right? When you turn 30, that's pretty good. When you turn 50, People throw you a crazy birthday party when you turn 50. They did that for me. And then you turn 70 and you're heading to 80. I want to tell you, we just got to get off our subject. We'll get depressed before we get through with this. <laughs> but according to James, 
all the plans we have, even in a year in advance, is not for us to focus on. This is what he's saying. He points out later in the passage that it's better to approach life this way, if, you're, if you still are James, if the Lord wills, do this or do that. But don't promise yourself that in the future, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that because he says you don't know what is in your future. And so a, good, a better way of saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's what the Lord wills. What does he want you and I to do with our time? It's not to say that we shouldn't make plans. If you look in Luke's gospel, Jesus touches on something about someone who wants to have something more greater and more powerful than what he has in the present sense. Now, I'm talking about a parable. This is in Luke chapter 12. Before I read verse 13, we're going to pick this up in 13. Jesus is talking to them about if anybody speaks something against me, that could be forgiven. If anybody speaks something against the Holy Spirit or blasphemes the Holy Spirit, that cannot be forgiven. And then he says, this is his preaching and teaching. I want you to get this. This is what the subject is. I want you to get that. The subject is about speaking ill against him, speaking ill against the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, in, to be a good steward, you have to be ready to face being arrested, being tried. Things are going to be said about you. And he said, you don't have to worry at that moment what to say. You see what he said? He said, the Holy Spirit will tell you in a future situation. He's preaching about this to the people. He says, if you find yourself in a future situation of being arrested, being interrogated, don't you worry. The Holy Spirit is going to help you. Amen. Now, I want you to see one of the worst interruptions of a preaching or a teaching that you'll ever see in Scripture. Because what happens next is so out of place. This is verse 13. Someone in the crowd, remember what he was teaching and preaching on. Someone in the crowd said, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. After all of that, he's like, somebody raises their hand and says, you know, I got a problem with my brother and uh, he's not wanting to share the inheritance of my family. Would you help, would you tell him to help me out? And Jesus is interrupted. What does he do with that interruption? He says, man, don't you like that? <laughs> Sir, you made me, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Who appointed me to solve your problems? And he said, take care and be on your guard. He said to everybody that saw this interruption, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Boy, could there be a greater truth than that? Our lives are not equal to our possessions, thank the Lord. How in the world does someone fit a, a statement like that? Lord, help me to solve a family situation. And it was so out of bounds that Jesus kind of like 
rebukes him in a, in, a, in a way. And he's telling everybody, don't get caught up in your possessions. Don't get caught up in wealth. Don't get caught up in abundance. Don't get caught up in all of these things that will consume us, consume our energy. In verse 16, to ex expound on that, he gives a parable. And the parable has a principle to it, but it's going to fit I hope it fits what I'm trying to share with you this morning. In verse 16, he turns around and tells the people that it's just like this interruption and he gets to like money and he gets to like, this is what people are consumed with. The land of a rich man produced plentiful. This is verse 17. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. It is a parable. The story, right? He said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, speaking to himself, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. For God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. The things you have prepared and whose will they be. So is the one, this is his principle, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus responds two ways to this man's interruption. One is to kind of put him in place, but the other one is like, what is your focus? And the Lord's response to him about this conflict in his family, he says, your, your situation goes way beyond that. Are you attached to money? Are you attached to stuff? Are you attached to things that you're hoping to in the future? And sometimes we overanalyze parables like we, like we try to put emotions into them, but they're stories. But I may just violate my own principle here. How's that? <laughs> and use the parable for something else. I, I hope you help me out here, okay? The man, here's some points. The man... In the story, in the parable, was wealthy. He's called a rich man. So it's not that he didn't have anything. Jesus describes him as already wealthy and getting wealthier. That he had this bumper crop that came in and he looked at it and said, I don't even have space to, to store this. And to make it so, I think, off the wall, what he's doing, Jesus said, in the parable that he chose to tear down the old barns. Now, how many here find that a little odd? If you got your storage building and everybody has, if you have a storage building, it's full. I, I, don't, I don't have to go look at it. It's full. <laughs> Whatever is stored, it's kind of like we had a little water leak out there and then we find out how much stuff is stored in those closets trying to get stuff out. It's full. And you don't go and say, you know what? I need another storage building. I'm going to tear that one down and get a bigger one. The idea would be just to build more barns. But the Lord is making a point here. This guy was so wrapped up that he's going to do something illogical in the story. I'm going to tear down the barns. I'm going to be bigger barns. And it all rests on what he is saying, I will. I will do this. It was more important to him what will happen. One day I'm going to relax, take it easy. I'm going to retire. I'm going to have everything in place. And that is kind of an attractive idea, isn't it? I'm going to retire. I'm going to 
play golf if I'm able to. I'm going to do whatever. And we have all these plans. And the Lord is talking about people who look so far into the future, they forget what's going on right now. And in the present. And he brings God. Now, the parable is one thing. But verse 20 introduces what God sees in this. He says, God says to him that he's foolish. And the, the night that he is saying all of this, the right now moment, he says, is going to be required of you. And the things you have prepared, he's putting the present and the future side by side in this, what he says God's looking at. Right now, right this moment, God says, your soul is going to be required of you. And then what does it matter for the things you've planned for? Whose stuff will that be? And the answer is, not him. The answer is, it doesn't matter. Nobody carries all that they own with them. It's left. And somebody else is going to have, people might fight it out. There might be all kind of lawsuits. Some of the wealthiest people that passed away had all kind of wheels, you know, and they, everybody said, this is the, and it's just people trying to grab everything that is left over. The Lord gets his point across. And what is stuff? What is stuff that we have? Accumulation is not the highest thing to treasure in life. To have things that we want is not the highest pleasure in life. The greatest pleasure is knowing God and what he wants and what he requires of us. Serving him, loving him, obeying him, worshiping him in the right now moment. That's the only way we can worship him is right now in the, in the time we live in. Solomon, looking back on this, had something to say about time. This is in Ecclesiastes 3. And according to rabbinical tradition, Solomon wrote this late in his life. And you know, there's, there's really not a lot to say about Solomon um, and how he handled being king. He just, he just made a lot of mistakes. But later on in his life, maybe he looks back on those mistakes. And this is what he wrote in Ecclesiastes 3. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, what would you put in that list? What kind of list would you like to put? A time for what? A time to maybe call someone? A time to apologize? A time to encourage? A time to tell someone, I love you? You know, I've, I've, I was always reminded by my dad and my mom, when you go to leave the house 
Always tell your spouse you love them. You never know that might be the last words you say. And they was always encouraging that. In fact, when I would pull away from that little house in Harpersville, my mother had a tradition. She stood in the driveway and she waved at us until we couldn't see her. She did that every time, didn't she, Brenda? It's bad. We're blowing the horn. She's waving. She's just waving. And I found out later tears were running down her face. She would be crying that she wanted us to stay longer. A time to encourage someone. To thank the Lord. A time to talk to the Lord, right? To praise him. A time to worship. A time to pray. Sometimes it might be maybe difficult. Sometimes just listen. Hear what God is saying to you. Listen to what other people are saying to you. And sometimes it's a time to receive. You know, sometimes God blesses us and he wants to bless us. But we don't want to put anybody out. You know anybody like that? They just like, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And I wonder how many times we rob people of their blessing. Because they wanted to do something for us. And we're like, no, don't put yourself out. My dad, I tried my best to pay for lunches that I would go with my dad, especially when I was taking him for his Zomata treatments. And he wouldn't let me pay. He would not let me pay. And when I absolutely demand I, I need to pay for he said, don't rob me of my blessing. Well, how do you argue that? But I, it hit me one day. Well, I know what to answer that. And I said, well, when do I get to be blessed by paying for our lunch? And he paused and he said, I'll let you know. <laughs> Still pulling rank on me. Do you know he never did let me pay for lunch? He just robbed me of all kinds of blessings. <laughs> there is a time to give, isn't there? And there is sometimes a time to write a note or a letter. I love journaling and there's a lot of times I've just written letters to my parents and different ones and I love to I love to get cards and Brenda can tell you I don't love the dollar ninety nine cards. I don't love that. I, I'm looking for a really nice card. I just think it conveys something, right? That's just me. I'm not if you like the one ninety nine, go for it. Spend your money wisely. Maybe you're doing the best thing for your finances that you can do. Hallelujah. But I got a card from someone. I want to read this. You just have these surprises that come your way. Listen, don't you want to be the one that surprises somebody with a card? That typically you say, well, that's not my style. Even more so when they see a card from you like, man, this must be really good. Because it might be not something you do, but I love cards. And someone sent a card to the church office addressed to the staff and actually all of TFA. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this to, so, to make sure that nobody figures out who this is. So grateful to call TFA home and to be blessed with so many wonderful relationships. You guys are so wonderful at showing authentic, real love of Christ to everyone who walks in the door. It is refreshing, so refreshing to be part of that. I pray that Jesus continues to bless TFA 
and the staff, and I pray that more people will come to find community and family here as well as fall in love with Jesus. Thanks for all you do. And the note is signed. I've already told her how much I appreciated that. But it wasn't just to me or the staff. It was to all of you. Can you just say thank you? That was for you. Someone bragging on you. Someone saying this is the place where they find community and find love. Boy, that's encouraging, isn't it? And to just give a gift, to give something. I just want you to think about what can I do today? What can I squeeze in today? What can I do instead of the I will for Tuesday or Monday or whatever day next week? And this is not, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. I'm just saying we shouldn't waste the moment now thinking so much about what's ahead. And I believe this is what he's getting at. You know, Jesus, you never see Jesus in a hurry. He had three years to save the world. Three years of ministry, just a little over three years of ministry. He didn't start preaching and teaching until he's 30. And he is sent on a mission from heaven, the Son of God in flesh. Kind of just eases into the ministry. And he preaches and he doesn't look like he's rushing to towns. I got to preach in this town. Sometimes he's late for people that are sick and they die like Lazarus. He's just, he just not in a hurry. And I hope that we can kind of like look at him sleeping on a boat in the middle of a storm and it's not waking him up. Now, does that find, I just find that... I just think it's neat that he's napping in the middle of the day. <laughs> that of all the things that's on him, he's in the moment. He's not pressed. And I believe he wants us to kind of ease the pressing that we have, that we're squeezing in so much in our day that maybe we're just missing what God wants us to be and what he wants us to focus on. To renew our strength, to encourage us, the best thing we can do is to renew our strength, renew, have a renewal in our own lives. I don't like, I don't like to be late. I don't like to, I don't like to wait and I don't like to be late. It's, I guess it's the influence of my father, but maybe sometimes it could be beneficial if we do wait. Maybe that waiting I remember my mom would leave for Indiana in that old 55 Ford station wagon and we weren't 30 miles from the house and she would look over and went, not just once, this was numerous times. Did you turn the iron off? Oh, Betty, I'm not sure I turned the iron off. We had to turn around and go back and the iron is off. And he would be fussing at her and she'd say, well, Winford, maybe that delayed us from being in an accident somewhere. And so she didn't say it, but she said, you ought to be thankful that I, that I delayed us 30 minutes so we'll miss an accident. That's how she qualified. Any, anything, anything in the the Lord's keeping us from an accident. I just believe that God is in this. And that drives somebody like my dad who is so regimented 
in time. He's never late. And he always thought when he walked in a doctor's office and his time was, he walked up and says, y'all haven't called me. Has anybody in this room ever went to a doctor's office and they called you at the time of your appointment? But he would stand up there and argue with them for 10, 15 minutes. You said 1030. I'm here at 1030. I'm supposed to be seeing the doctor at 1030. I'm just saying that's the way we were raised. But, but if, if there's anything I learned from all of that is that don't make it so regimented. And Brenda used to tell me, he said, I think it was complimentary. You're so much like your dad. <laughs> I think it was complimentary. <laughs> but it's kind of like you get that regimentation in your mind and sometimes you just don't have space for God to adjust it. I want our praise team to come up. I, I, just, I thought about this today and, and sharing this message with you. That the only time we have to pray for each other is right now. Only time we have an opportunity to say, Lord, I need an answer. I need direction. Maybe you're not as close to him as you need to be or that you want to be. Why not today say, Lord, I'm going to take a step toward you by faith that whatever is clouding me and holding me back and making me hesitant to really go too far with you I'm going to lay that at your feet. I'm going to give up that hesitation. I'm going to surrender my life to you. Would you stand with me? And, and if you need prayer, if you, are you here and you have a family member that needs prayer, we can pray for you. We can pray for that family member. Lord, I pray this morning that somehow we will adjust right now the next few minutes to say, what, what can you do in me? What, what do I want you to do in me, in my family, in my life, in my mind, in my body? The healing, the release of the peace that we're hungering for, Lord. A surrendered life, a surrender of our future to you. To lay our future at your feet. And the Lord, whatever you want me to do, here I am. I surrender. I give up. that hasn't happened Lord I don't want to give up on your purpose and your mission for me you still have a purpose for my life if any of this resonates with you could you just make your way and stand across the front here we're just going to ask God to just meet you today not tomorrow today not at 2 o'clock right now whatever time it is I, I need to meet with you
Let's just take a few minutes to meet with him. Thank you, Lord.
just surrender ourselves to you. Thank you that we have community and that you're the essence of that community, your presence. Everything points back to you. Whatever we have in our life that's good, it's to your glory. It's to your honor. May a covering rest upon all of us in this room. And every day that we have this week, that we're privileged to live, we're privileged to meet people and talk with people and to pray and read your word, that we don't take any of those days for granted. And mostly, Lord, that we treasure what we have right now, the moment we have now. As families go to their meals and go through the rest of their day, may they appreciate the moment that we have right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome week. Enjoy your week. God bless you.